0: Having a good implementation of a microservice or microfrontend architecture is hard. It's very hard to do. But if you do it well, and if it's solving your problem, then that complexity is definitely worth it.
1: welcome to PodRocket. I'm Noel and joining me today is Ruben Casas. Ruben is a staff engineer at Postman, specializes in micro frontends and large-scale frontend applications. And he's joining us today to cover his recent talk, which is titled Micro Frontends with React Router 6. And you gave that at the Weiwei web conference. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Awesome, awesome. How are, you, how are you doing, Ruben?
0: Yeah, no but Thank you so much for inviting me. I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite topics. So yeah, really excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into this a little bit too. I, think, I feel like this is kind of a poignant conversation. It's been on people's minds a little bit lately, so I think this will be a good one. Before we delve in too deep, though, can you give us a little bit about yourself, your background in web dev, and kind of your time at Postman?
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm a staff engineer at Postman. And, you know, when I was at university, I always wondered how are big, you know, large web applications built. You know, these applications that have millions of users and uh, everything seems so complicated. So that became like my passion. I I did a master's degree in um, internet and distributed systems. And, and every time I was like, okay, it's actually, it's hard, but it is possible. It's not magic. You know, websites work and they have millions of users. And it was quite, quite interesting. Before Postman, I, I was at American Express. I was one of the maintainers of one of the micro front frameworks. And that was, that was huge. You know, we had millions of users. We had about 2000 developers using our framework and it was using micro front so now, now that I moved to Postman, um, I'm trying to do the same. You know Postman has <laughs> 22 million users la- last time I checked. It's huge, and we're trying to use microphone tents to decouple the monolith and something that we're going to talk about later and just do scale. And it's usually not the technology that is scaling. it's usually more the, the people and the uh, organization and, and solving that problem with coupling.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to kind of get into that. Yeah, like the organizational need for like independent channels of development a little bit. But before we do that, let's kind of frame our conversation a little bit. You open your talk by talking about React's age and how React just turned 10 years old. How does that kind of maturity of a front end framework um, cause Problems for developers.
0: <laughs> well, it's actually not the age of React. I, I just added that as a as a fun topic of conversation. You know, React is becoming is turning ten years old next uh, May, and it's not about React being old. It's about you know we've been building applications with React uh, for a while now, and that means that the applications are, are bigger. They're getting old. There is a lot of tech debt, uh, so it's not a problem with React itself. It's more uh, about the, the the scale and and applications are aging right now.
1: I see. I see. So, do you think if a, a, a you know a company had started their React journey much later, do you think it's less likely they'll be finding themselves in this kind of problematic spaces because it's a you know more fresh code base?
0: Yeah. Well, it depends. Actually, this is the only time I'm going to say it depends during this talk. <laughs> Just check me. Um, <laughs> well, if, if you are building a brand new application uh, with React and you're using the the best patterns, I, I think it should be okay to a certain extent. The problem is. When, when you start having multiple developers, when you have multiple teams. And, and again, going to the problem is not the technology, the problem is coupling and also the organizational issues. But the problem with, with this is, you know, we have we worked on a project where things start getting slower. Like everything worked fine at the beginning. Everything was like, okay, we are building fast, we're shipping uh, products to our users, everyone is happy. But there is like a point where the application starts to get slower not user experience, but mo- mostly changes start to get slower. The the CI/CD pipelines start to get slower because there are too many changes, too many lines of code, etc. Features start getting duplicated, so you have a lot of like a legacy code here and there, and there is no ownership. Uh, you have a bunch of dependencies, especially with single page applications, with it, which is something that we're going to be uh, talking about in 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 the podcast today. Is you know when you have a single page application every single line of code increases the size of your application even if you do code splitting you are adding more dependencies etc so it is not the it's more like the the process of creating applications it's more like the the natural evolution of applications where you start having issues and some of those issues could be solved and this is what, how why many companies have turned to micro front ends to see oh actually a micro frontends is a solution for some of these problems and what I always say is, please try other options. Uh, don't go to MicroFontains uh, immediately because it could be that you could solve your problem with a modular monolith, for example. You could solve your problem with a monorepo. tens are like the, the top four, uh, the largest companies, most complex products where you can potentially solve those, those issues.
1: From, from the typical devs perspective, what does a micro front-end kind of architecture look like? How's it how is it set up? What does the source control look like?
0: Uh, well, <laughs> source control is, a, is an interesting one because it doesn't really matter in this case. It could be a monorepo as well. It could be multiple repositories. That's one of the misconceptions about micro front ends You know, it could be monorepos and micro tense actually play really nicely uh, together. So it's not about the source control and where you put the code. It's more on on how the teams are creating the application. So the definition of micro tense is you know, a, a, it's an architectural pattern. It's not the technology, and this is where the misconceptions and the issues understanding it, this pattern come. And it's because people mistaken the the architectural pattern and the actual implementation, like the technology that is used. But the architectural pattern is the is allowing you to um, basically split the application into smaller pieces that can be deployed by independent teams and deployed independently. That's more or less like the basic definition. But I didn't say any technologies there, you know, an architectural pattern, splitting the application, and the implementation is different from the actual pattern.
1: What what are the main benefits then of like, of having this split up, Uh, like from an organizational perspective, like why do do we want to have teams have autonomy to be able to deploy, you know, the the front end that they are working on more specifically?
0: I'll say the main benefit is first, it's meant to solve a problem. So if you don't have a problem, you're not gonna see any benefits implemented micro front end. So the first thing that you need to ask yourself and your companies is, do we have a problem? And the answer is yes. Okay. The problem is we, we are basically having too many issues deploying because everybody's waiting for changes. Uh, the CICD pipeline is taking too long and also coupling, which is one of the main issues, which is everything is mixed everywhere. And if you make a change here, it's changes somewhere else. So one of the main benefits is is that independence. But before you achieve the independence, you need to, to decouple it. Before you have a distributed system, you need to decouple it first. Because if you are trying to deploy independently and you're still tightly coupled to other s- systems or code or libraries or other front-end applications, then you end up with something which is absolutely terrible, is worse, which is a distributed monolith where you, you deploy independently, but you still have to go through the process of arranging, uh, talking to people about the how we're going to deploy. So that is what you should avoid. You need to decouple first, like having the the applications in a state where you can actually deploy them independently. And then the benefit is uh, team autonomy. You know, teams can deploy to production. They don't need to talk to a release train. They don't not. They don't have to wait until it's ready. They just can deploy quicker. And the blast radius is smaller because you deploy something that is not going to affect the rest of the application, which is one of the main issues with Monolith. You know, you deploy Monolith, you deploy the entire thing, and you don't know if you're deploying something that's going to break the entire application. So it's more self-contained.
1: Gotcha. So when we're talking about decoupling uh, like disparate parts of the front end, what are we talking about exactly? Because it, seemed, it seems to me that a lot of the like front end coupling would be, you know, like unified button components, unified forms. So you have like consistent style and feel across the app. And I feel like that's a thing people aspire to. Like they want good um, component abstractions because it makes it cleaner. And again, they have like a consistent feel for their brand. Is that what we're talking about? Like pulling apart? Or is it more like how the systems interact with APIs and other other layers of the stack? Um, so coupling coupling has two things. So the first is components,
0: as you mentioned, they they brought us closer to a system that can be reusable and that'd be atomic, self-contained. You know, if you don't if you are not using a component library, like a design system or component library, you should because that helps you make your atomic components self-contained and maintainable. Now, when we look about the coupling that happens after you start uh, composing those components it goes more towards the the, the business logic and the business domain and uh, this is very important with uh, micro tense and any distributed system like if you're familiar with microservices is that you should be developing your applications aligned to a business domain so business domain is a self-contained unit that is owned by someone like in this case could be a team And that is a single responsibility for them to maintain uh, and deploy this. So that is the organizational part. So decoupling will be like separating out your business domain and ensuring that people are responsible for parts of the application. Now, the technical part is how do we uh, ensure that those different composed applications of different components do not link to each other or have like a indirect communication with things that shouldn't need to be aware of so that is where the decoupling of those business domains uh, starts to apply where you need to ensure that you know you're not calling a third party API without a proper interface like you are not passing props down from one component because at that point you are Coupling to that component. So it's more like trying to self contain as much as possible your business domain uh, using the technology to do that.
1: Gotcha. Is there, like, again, say we're uh, talking about like a net new company, is there a way that they can kind of help themselves set up for future success as they're writing there, even if they're not planning, even if they're not planning on. Having it be disparate de- deployed front ends to begin with, but they think that they might need to at some point. Is there any patterns they can kind of try to adhere to to set themselves up for success in the future?
0: Absolutely. And and this question, you know, like, should startups use microservices or micro front ends? I mean, the answer is probably no, because uh, again, going back to, do you have a problem? And at the beginning, startups, they, you know, they don't really have a problem. They're quite small and they are like uh, de- developing really quickly and putting the product out there, pro macro fits and all that stuff. So they don't really have a problem at that point. But what you said is very important. You know, whatever, whenever I hear someone say, Oh, shall I use microphone tense for my startup? I would say, uh, probably not, because it will just increase the overhead. It will increase the complexity of your application. And you don't need that. You need to be fast and you need to be, you know, thinking about bigger problems, you know, like making money. <laughs> so what, what I recommend is you should start designing your application in a modular way. Even if it's not deployed independently, you should start uh, creating your application and, and having a little bit of, an architect mind, like having a, a little bit of design and thinking, okay, if I'm building a, the e-commerce example is probably one of the most common in, in microservices, micro microfrontends. It's like, if I have a product page, I need to ensure that that product page is as independent as possible. And that I'm not creating abstractions that are uh, shared across the application and that I don't know where they're coming from. So that's why React, for example, is really good. I mean, React is, is great because it, it takes us closer to a modular Reusable component, and and that from the react from react to uh, jump into a micro front end or more modular architecture is, I mean, it's not easy, it's not simple, but it's better than having a, a monolith that doesn't have that concept of components and, and modular front end. So, yes, definitely you should start thinking when if you are starting a, an, a company or it's a product is very early on in the development phase ensure that you can
1: modularize as much as possible. Is it as simple as use React, don't use global state and have well abstracting components? Is that it? Or is there is there other like accidental areas where you can kind of end up with these like tightly coupled components that are hard to break apart in the future?
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned the, the shared state. I think that's one of the main uh, sources of coupling. When you have global state because everybody is reading from the global state and you cannot render independently. So the the state and the data. So the data is another one that is is very important. Like I always say components and and micro-frontends should load their own data, because if you are loading data from a place, for example, making an API call in a global shared state and then passing the data down to the components, those components won't work independently they depend on a shared global state that is providing data so i, I usually recommend for micro frontends load your own data do not share global state as much as possible i know that's a tricky one but when when i've seen people having bad times and really hard times uh, implementing micro frontends is because they have shared they are sharing state and they are again coupling to things that they shouldn't be uh,
1: coupling i feel i feel that there is some inherent shared state that's always going to be needed On the front end, especially if you're trying to have like a a seamless user experience, namely like authorization or like is, is kind of what springs to mind, I guess, both authorization and authentication to some extent like this. What can the user do? How should the UI be rendered for them? What should they be able to click on? Is there an optimal way to have that kind of data stored and passed around between front ends if you're trying to have a, you know, a smooth UX for the user?
0: Yeah, there there are certain things that are not like you cannot avoid having some sort of coupling, but that is intentional coupling, right? You know, the authentication is something that is required for the front end to work. What you can do is you can make it uh, make a good interface, so it is not as bad as like a shared library. That shares an leaks state and is a very indirect. Like there's no like intentional communication. So if you keep an interface that is very well designed, that ha- you know where the communication flow is coming. In this case, it's coming from the top, and and you have options. Like if it's not signed in, then the microphone tend or the component should uh, fall back to a, a default state. Where well, if it's not provided, then and it's working. There are certain cases where there will be global configurations, you know, theme management, for example, is another case, but there are many solutions for that. I mean, you could pass events. For authentication, my recommendation is, you know, use HTTP only cookies. Having an HTTP only cookie means that, a secure cookie means that you don't really have to pass it. You just get sent with the request and the microphone tents are not aware of the authentication. It's just, if it's there, it will be sent. They don't have to do anything special about it. That's one example with authentication. But with the other examples, you know it could be passing just events you know events are the most simple way of just passing information that it doesn't tightly couple you to the implementation so events and uh, what else passing callbacks that's another one Ex- expose an interface and you expose it to the world and then communicate very similar to how microservices communicate so uh, i mentioned microservices um, a couple of times is because microfrontends are basically they parallel to microservices but in the front end not exactly the same but that's where the the idea came from
1: it sounds like you're trying not to be overly prescriptive in, in recommending people start you know using microfrontends if they don't have the need for it yet what is a good sign that an organization may be feeling pain that could be resolved by a more like modular front end deployment architecture
0: uh, the first symptom is uh, velocity, as I mentioned earlier. Deploying starts to get slow. Even though, even though that your CICD uh, pipeline, you can have caching and you can have all of these brand new monorepos with caching, there's always a limit. And, and in computer science, you can either parallelize or cache. So if you have tried caching and that doesn't work, still slow because your application is huge, then the next option is parallelize. And when you split into microphone tens, it means that you can't just build them independently. So you don't have to build them all at once. And when you make a change, you don't need to build the entire application. You just build your a small application. So that will increase uh, the performance of your builds. Uh, and also organization. I mean, to be honest, this problem is mostly an organizational problem. When you have to talk to five different people to uh, get a change merged, or do you have to wait until five PRs have merged, until this hotfix has been passed, etc. When you start having those issues, then, okay, will independent teams work more efficiently? Like if we give them the, the autonomy that they want and for them to deploy... Uh, will be eliminating all those problems of communication between teams, stepping on each other's toes, having accidental changes, going to production, or having bug fixes that need to go really quick. And I cannot do it because another team is unable to produce, the make the release, or we are waiting on them to do something. So when you start having all those problems, and at that point, we're like, okay, let's try a more decoupled way. And you don't have to go all the way to microphone tense again. Try a monorepo. Monorepos are great as well. You can cache and you can somehow, sometimes deploy independently, but compose a build time. So the application still gets deployed as a single unit, but you can still have like a little bit of independence. If that doesn't work, then move to independent deployments and runtime composition.
1: In your talk, you, you touch on the micro front-end decision framework. Is this Is this like topic, what we're talking about now, like figuring out how to do that abstraction? Is that what that framework is or is that framework something else
0: this this concept is uh has been created by my good friend luca Mesarilla, who he's written one of the micro front end books and he's always talking about micro front ends it's more once you decide to go with micro front ends you need to make uh, certain decisions into you know how are we going to define micro front ends you know what in our case in our company what is a micro front end is it a business domain is this a, a route on the url is it a widget etc the second one which is Second uh, part of this uh, podcast will be, will be the routing. Uh, in, in this case, will be re- route, uh, router routing. The next one will be communication. We already touched on how to communicate and share states and micro front so there there are like many steps into the micro end decision framework. Another one is how to compose them at runtime you know like for example, when you have a single page application and you are deploying independently, well, how do you load the application at runtime that 's another decision that you can you have to make you know how we compose them. And you can do it server-side as well. You can do server-side composition. You can do client-side, which is single-page applications. And one of the ma- uh, big tools that help you with this is Module Federation, uh, which allows you to load JavaScript at runtime. Just import something asynchronously from a URL, and, and it works. Mm-hmm. It's a great tool. So you have all these decisions. We could focus on maybe uh, the the routing part and, and how React Router 6 is especially really good at MicroFontaine. So it's very good fit for micro front ends
1: yeah yeah let's do that why might that be a good place for devs to kind of start looking when they're thinking about a solution for this
0: a good place i mean this is another problem i mean organizations are different so people when they want a solution the solution for your organization might be very different to the solution for another organization so what i recommend is uh, think about your problems and If you decide to go with MicroFontains, start with the MicroFontains decision framework. Are we doing server-side, client-side? Are we doing uh, what the routing solution is going to be? Uh, how are we going to communicate, etc.? So start there. Start with the ten decision framework. And then choose the technology. I don't really like recommending micro front end frameworks because... Those decisions have been made for you. And because this problem is so specific to your organization, you are basically taking other people's decisions that might be really bad for you. So you could use a micro front end framework. There is single SPA, which is an, an, a framework, one of the main frameworks for micro front ends, And also module federation. Module federation is not a framework. It's more like a tool where you can build a framework on top of it. But there are many. I don't re- recommend any particular one. I recommend you to do your uh, homework and decide what is good for you. And, and your company and then choose the technology based on that rather than the other way around you know like choosing the technology first and then see if it' have solved a problem I'd recommend that way
1: yeah re- regardless of of kind of that decision tree i feel like most devs are going to end up in a space especially if they're using react where they've got to figure out how routing is going to work so that's probably is a good is a good place for us to focus a little bit how does how does react router six? kind of help with this problem.
0: Going back to you know, how React is very good at components and encapsulating things and separating concerns and decoupling, well, uh, React Router 6 especially is abs- you know, ex- excellent at this. And, and I think we had uh, Michael Jackson coming and sharing about the React Router feature, uh, which is probably the best feature, which is the nested routing. That is a great feature because basically it allows you to map smaller parts of the UI of the UI application to the URL. Splitting the application into smaller pieces, that's what MicroFontains are. And uh, React Router 6 is already giving you that power of splitting into smaller pieces that are mapped to a URL. So the URL becomes like a very powerful because you can decide what to show or not to show on the page based on a URL segment. And Michael did a great job of explaining what nested routing is. So I will recommend if you if you listen to that episode he he will explain that. But it's not just that. There is another thing with React Router 6 that is very very useful and is that they separated out the data loading from the actual rendering of the component. And this is great because even you know Ryan Florence he said, you know, the best thing that you can do is to decouple things. Pieces and if we separate out our uh, frontend rendering from the data loading, is great for microfrontends because again I said microfrontends should load their own data. So we first with next Air routing we have the ends on a separate URL, URL segment, and that URL seg- segment can also load its own data using loaders with React Router six point four. That is an amazing feature. Uh, that we have there. So that's why it's a really good match for micro frontends. Now, this is going to single page applications. React Router 6.4 is for people who are still using single page applications and uh, they want some of the features that Remix provides. So definitely check it out. If you're interested in Remix and, and you're like, well, actually I can't m- migrate to Remix yet, React Router 6 is pretty much Remix for single page applications. And I hope I didn't say something wrong and Brian and, and Mike will be like, no, you said that wrong. Uh, but for me, re- it's basically using Remix for single page applications because you have the concept of loaders, you have the concept of next r- routing, you have the concept of actions. Uh, it's great. So it's a great match because you already have that division, that separation of concerns
1: and that separation of the different uh, parts of the, the application. For listeners who haven't delved into this space, can you elaborate a little bit on why having loaders kind of at at that routing level is so powerful?
0: It simplifies your application a lot. So if you think about how we use fetching inside components, you will be doing a fetch inside usually in React, a use effect, uh, which is, you know, people had problems with that and it's very complex and bad things happen if you use use effect incorrectly. Uh, then you need to handle your own state. You need to handle: okay, is this loading? Is this uh, there was an error, or is the data ready? If we move this to the to the router to React Router six, it means that we will have we don't have to worry about the control of the the state. The data is loading before the component renders. This is another great feature. Like even before your component renders, the data is already uh, been fetched for you in in the loader. And then you don't need to worry about errors because the errors are handled by React Router. You just need to throw an error and then the error boundary will catch it. And also the loading is another one. There is no loading. There is no spinners in React Router six. There is only one at the beginning because obviously you need to load the bundle and you need to load the application for a single page application. But after that. There are no spinners. And why is that? There are no spinners because you are fetching before you render. So before you render the component, you don't need to show a loading spinner. You just uh, execute the loader and the loader will just, once the date is ready, or once there was an error, you will just render the component. So this is amazing. I mean, this is this is all, all Remix. I mean, this is very this is the same concepts from, from Remix. It's just they have been applied to single page applications.
1: Can we talk a little bit then about that that concept of have, having the, the data all loading before the component renders and kind of push it a little further in, in regards to like SSR uh, server-side rendering? Is there good ways to do SSR in kind of this micro front-end friendly framework? Is that helpful, beneficial?
0: Yes, I mean, it's harder, definitely. And, and going back to the, you know, loading the data, I mentioned there was, there was a spinner at the beginning, the only one. If you use a server-side rendered framework, that spinner goes away. There is no spinner because uh, the data is fetched on the server. Now, server-side rendering and micro Well, let's talk about server-side rendering first and then Remix. So server-side rendering in general, yes, it is definitely possible. Actually, the micro-frontend framework I worked at Amex, that was server-side rendered. So it was like a traditional, you know, sim- very similar to Remix, very similar to Next.js, where you have server-side rendered and then you hydrate the page uh, in the frontend on the browser and then you just have clients that render afterwards. It's definitely possible. And actually, that framework was based on React Router 3, uh, which was great, by the way. React Router 3 was the, the best version, and now I think React Router 6 just picked up where it left, so we can safely ignore 4 and 5. <laughs> so it, it was great. And React, again, because React Router is so good at splitting the application, I can know by just looking at the URL what I need to render. So it's definitely possible. The the thing with Remix is obviously Remix doesn't use Webpack, so it's not compatible with module federation. I know they are trying to do some support with Webpack, so that's the first challenge. So having something that works with their bundler, it hasn't been done. It's not that. It's not possible. It is possible, but it has to be done, and it's a bit complex. So it requires a lot of work, but it's definitely possible. Uh, and actually, one of my friends created a POC on having Remix uh, using micro ends. and that POC had like a really simple concept. You know, like sharing just libraries and doing a lot of monkey patching, and, and it worked. <laughs> so it is possible. It's just service and render rendering adds another level of complexity, uh, which definitely has to be worth it if you want to. If your application definitely needs service and rendering,
1: then yeah, it is possible. I think that that makes sense, and it's probably again, another another piece of the journey here. If if one is really trying to optimize their development flow and performance at the same time. But yeah, that can be it can be a tricky thing if you're t- trying to lift an existing code base to kind of function that way. Um, but I think it it might make some of these other problems we talked about, like auth state and things, a little bit easier to deal with. Like you don't have to think about it in quite the same way. But you know, it's going to depend, like you said, on the ar- on a given on a given uh, application and architecture. I'm going to put on my devil's devil's advocate hat a little bit here. So I feel the we have a lot of horror stories of devs when they're working on you know systems that have probably been broken up into microservices, like on the back end, maybe a little bit too early in the processor when the need wasn't there. And they didn't feel that they derived as much benefit as they'd hoped. And instead, they just wound up in this state where it was harder to, you know, like do change tracking and get deployments out the door and just like coordinate you know code changes in general is that same problem often encountered with micro frontends or is that does that help with um, like deployments and migrations in any way like is there is there good material on that at all
0: yeah absolutely and, and i think you mentioned uh something very important very, in, very crucial there and is that they were using it when they didn't need to use it so that was the first mistake like a lot of people who had a really bad experience with micro and microservices is because they are using it for something that is it's not, the, it's not solving their problem. They're just using it for you know, different reasons. So that's one. You need to make sure it's solving a problem. The second one is uh, distributed systems by design They are more complex. You will encounter more uh, things to maintain. They are a bit more difficult to understand because uh, they are distributed. The complexity has to be worth it. So unless you have a big problem and you know that that problem is being solved by a distributed system, at that point, you will be like, "Okay, I am happy with the complexity." The problem is people have the complexity of a distributed system, and they are not seeing the benefits of that distributed system because they have introduced coupling into that distributed system. So you're basically removing all of the benefits without any, uh, and plus all the complexity. So you end up in a really bad place. And and to be honest, I have heard a lot of stories, you know, with micro frontends as well and microservices. People who hate them because they were like, this was hell. It was really bad. But I haven't heard anybody who had a good implementation. And this is the key: <laughs> having a good implementation of a microservice or a microfrontend architecture is hard. It's very hard to do. But if you do it well, and if it's solving your problem, then that complexity is definitely uh, worth it. But yeah, you need to do it properly. And doing it properly is the problem <laughs> it's very hard
1: can we can we talk a little bit about like i guess migrations and deployments again like say you've got an api that's changing upstream or something um, and you know you have to deploy like two front ends at near synonymous time or even like there's uh the the handoff layer is changing in some way have some change in off patterns or something now and the two front ends need to communicate is there a way to kind of ease that pain or is it going to be totally dependent upon you know a given architecture
0: well if if you cannot avoid the the coupling if there is a case where there is definitely coupling you have two options one is well as a normal monolithic application we have to update every single piece but it's challenging but also microphone tens can be versioned and, and one uh, really good trick that you can have with microphone tens is you can use a semantic version in ranges and you can have a system where it will be like okay this microphone 10 hasn't been upgraded and there is a breaking change well we have two versions one version that is the new one that is compatible and it works with the rest of the application and one that hasn't been migrated yet that gets more complex, very very complex very quickly as well. So uh, having multiple versions is possible with microfront frontends. It's very useful for like a b testing, experimentation, uh, rollbacks is great if you have versions, but it gets really complex very quickly as well. But in that case of a breaking, breaking change, then the versioning could also be really helpful because you just bump one of the major versions of one microfront end and then you ensure that the the rest don't upgrade yet until they are ready. So they're compact backwards compatible etc
1: I've got a note here about um, the strangler pattern and the reverse strangler pattern can you tell me a little bit about those
0: yeah so um, micro frontends are also great for migrations in terms of migrating from a legacy system to a new system and if we if we go back to you know 2014 2015 when react started getting popularity the the, the common thing that was started happening was like people start leaving angular.js and migrating to react there are two approaches to this. One is you can be like, okay, React is great, let's migrate, and we are not going to be doing features for two years, and once the migration is done, uh, we will start doing features again. That's never going to happen, that people, you know, products and companies are never going to buy into that. And I, I'm sure that comp- some people manage to do that somehow, <laughs> like migrating everything at once, uh, but that's not realistic. So there is a pattern called the, the strangler pattern, which is, I think is after this uh, tree in the Amazon or something where a tree starts consuming the, the the larger tree from the bottom up. So until the the new tree emerges uh, from, the, from the tree that consumed the old one. So this parallel in, in migrations is okay. So we have a really old application, and we want to start migrating pieces of the application until we completely replaced it. So it's not a big bang migration; it's an incremental migration. And I love this quote about big bang migrations. I think uh, Martin Fowler said, "You know, the only thing that is guaranteed with a big bang migration is a big bang." So <laughs> incremental migrations. Are, are the way to go. Now, there is a separate variation of the strangle pattern, which is, you know, the strangle pattern is like you have the old thing and you start changing small pieces uh, until you replace it. The reverse is okay, let's change everything. Let's change the foundation. Let's do like the big rewrite and then just put the monolith or the legacy application inside that new system or new, uh, better architected application. And then we start shrinking that monolith, we start removing pieces. Until uh, you get it disappears and you just get the new one. I prefer this one because um, you, you get the benefits of the, the new architecture and the new technology straight away. you know like if you are migrating to react, then the new shell or the new uh, patterns are there from day one and and then you just need to start removing the legacy one by one. The problem with that is it's more challenging is more difficult to do because uh, you need somehow to load the monolith or the legacy application inside the new architecture, and that's not always possible. But this is where microfrontends come really handy because microfrontends allow you to load applications at runtime that are nothing to do with with the application; they're completely separate, even different webpack bundles, etc. So what you can do is the new application will have all the brand new language or whatever and then you load the mo- legacy monolith through micro front ends like composition for example module federation which is client-side composition and then that allows you to start removing pieces until it's completely gone and that's the important part that at some point the migration will end and you end up with a brand new application that has all the
1: foundations and everything in there um, and the monolith just disappears so how does that how does that reverse the reverse strangler pattern. How does that, how does that end up actually like manifesting? Say you're a user, right. And you're like the, whatever the landing page is in the new, is in a new micro front end, but then you click on like, you know, you you go to the product listing page or something that thing hasn't been converted yet. Are you, are you effectively like switching between which application you're interacting with? Or is there like a, a clean way to have both of them running at runtime, you know? In a, in, a, in, the, in the user's browser?
0: Yeah, there, there is both of them. So one is the, the the URL. So the root of the application will load either the old one or the new one. And then the, the difficult part to get right is the boundaries when you cross from one to the other. Um, some, some implementations will do a, f- a refresh of the page, but that's not a great user experience. But it is possible to have client-side navigation still working. Uh, And that's something that I managed to do with module federation and a distributed router. So basically just ensures that somehow the the client-side navigation remains. So there is no user user experience impact. But the other one is also possible. Like you could, for example, load a widget from the old application inside the new application on the same URL. So the same uh, route of the URL. Uh, That is also possible. And that's possible because... Microfrontends are encapsulated, and you can load them asynchronous at uh, runtime. So you can load this widget that comes from the either new or old application inside the same page, and they can live together under the same
1: uh, page URL. So if 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 there if there are listeners listening that want to start kind of exploring how or you know the notion of starting to do a slow piecemeal migration that they can chip away at, where would you recommend that they begin? Like what tools should they start looking at?
0: So, if they are using uh, a single page application, that's probably the, the simplest uh, one because you, you can just look at module federation and start integrating. And also, uh, React Router 6 for, for that URL, you know, moving from one to the other. React Router 6 is amazing at that. And you can uh, have like uh, nested routes and matches of star patterns. Really, really cool. If you are using server side rendering, then things start getting a bit more complex. But it's also possible, like you can have, like are some AWS resources where you can have micro frontends uh, on AWS that basically create all of these same patterns, but introducing server-side rendering. Uh, resources out there, this is a big problem with micro frontends is there are many, but they are so specific to companies that they'll be like, this is how I did it. <laughs> it's more like, uh, but technology-wise, Look at the micro front ends, uh, Building Microfront Ends book from Luca that I mentioned him earlier. He's very agnostic in terms of technology. He focuses a lot on the actual organizational problem and how to implement Microfront Ends. Uh, and he also uh, talks about module federation. So it, basically module federation is my favorite Tool for Micro front ends because it's very simple. Like if you don't like module federation or you don't like Micro Frontends, you just re- basically it's an import. <laughs> it's like a normal import, so you can just remove it. So it's great for that. Yeah, I also recently did a workshop on introduction on Micro front ends and React Router Six. Uh, I might just leave the link. Uh, very rough two lessons on how to get started with
1: this. Nice, awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll have we'll have links to that. We'll have links to the. Um... The book you've been, you've been talking about, hopefully, and links to those podcast episodes that we uh, referenced in the show notes so people can go check them out. Is there anything else uh, you want to point listeners to at all, Ruben?
0: Uh, no, I think that's it. I mean, I'm always uh, happy to talk about this. It's like passion, <laughs> talking about micro ends and distributed systems. So yeah, any questions, I'm really happy just to talk. And something I want to say at the end, is like, you'd be surprised how many people are actually using micro ends today like it's not something that people talk about um it's like oh it was like a you know in 2019 2010 20 it was like oh microphone tens are they here yet are people implementing it. and actually the people implementing it are really quiet you know every time i talk to someone at a large company they're like oh yeah we are using microphone tens oh yeah we are using it for this uh it's great so you'll be surprised how many companies are using them today in production so something that people don't talk about enough <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I think I think it's probably one of those things where when it's working well as a user, you don't really notice it's happening, right? And it just kind of like everything is 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 chugging along nicely. But awesome, cool. So, well, thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting with me, Ruben. Uh, it's been a pleasure. That's amazing, all Thank you so much.